Amen. Thank you, Derek and Pam. Our scripture tonight is found in Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. The Lord drew my attention to this passage uh, coming off of the conference at the beginning of the week. We were challenged in uh, areas of discouragement and keeping on, keeping on, specifically even dealing with areas of depression and, and mental illness. And uh, my point isn't to try to give you a summary of a three-day, two-and-a-half-day conference in, uh, in a 30-minute, 40-minute message, but uh, nevertheless, the Lord drew me to this passage where we read in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We are a wearisome people. We're busy. There's illness. There's the uh, busyness of life. Everything from raising children to keeping up with all the different appointments and different activities. Uh, there were times in uh, our ministry, in our former ministry, where we felt like we were going 100 miles an hour. And that was seven days a week, it seemed like. And uh, the kids were in sports and just anyway, with all their different responsibilities. And there, were, there, were, there was more than one occasion where the Lord really uh, kind of took me to the woodshed uh, about my schedule and my priorities and my time. And I remember one time in uh, ninth grade when Emily started taking algebra and she was really, really struggling in algebra. And I remember coming to a point in in my, uh, in my life where I, I said, okay, I'm either going to have to take some time, going to have to clear my schedule in the evening, we're going to have to sit down at the kitchen table, we're going to have to work together through algebra, or I'm going to see her go into a tailspin and her get angry and her struggle in school. And it was just something that the Lord laid on my heart that I'm just going to have to take some time. And um, I felt like I could handle it. Um, and we sat down at the kitchen table night after night, and we did algebra. And I had to cut some things out of my schedule, but I'm thankful. And not that it had anything to do with me, but by the end of Algebra 2, she was getting a B. And so that was the, even the following year. And I felt like uh, it, was, it was well worth the time. Uh, plus, Emily and I bonded a little bit more than we probably wanted to uh, during those Algebra tutor, tutoring sessions. Um, but nevertheless, those are just moments like that. And we've had moments like that. We, we all get to those places where we are weary, but we're doing right. We're doing well. We're trying to be faithful to serve the Lord. But there's a weariness that comes. There, there's a uh, sometimes a, a stress or an, an overwhelming. And it, it's, it's not because we're trying to disobey God, and maybe there's areas that God will point out as we go through those uh, times of, of trial or, or testing, there are things that surely that the Lord brings to our minds, to our hearts, that we could be doing better, that we could fix, that we could get right. We'll talk about even some of that tonight. sometimes that comes and I, I know that Paul felt this in the ministry 
And I know that there were other believers scattered throughout Scripture that felt some of this weariness. So there's uh, clear reason, obviously by uh, the inspiration of God, that God would lay on the hearts and these authors would pen by the inspiration of God to not be weary in well-doing, to not be faint, to keep on in the work of the Lord. Because we do get weary, and God knows that. God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, he knew what it was like to be, to be tired, to experience pain, to have the sinless infirmities of mankind. It was touched in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So I want us to see several points about weariness in well-doing tonight. First of all, I want us to see that weariness will resist the strength to endure. Maybe we can change that word will to can. It doesn't always, but weariness has a tendency to cause us to quit, to resist the strength to endure. Why keep on keeping on? Sometimes the discouragement comes because we are trying to be faithful, we are trying to serve the Lord, and sometimes we feel like maybe nobody notices or it's not making a difference. Who's really keeping account here, and that can be frustrating. But as we look at this word faints in Galatians 6, in verse 9, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That word faint means to lose courage, to lose heart. It means to abandon oneself in cowardly surrender. And there's a, a proverb that often comes to mind, Proverbs 24 and verse number 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And God has used that verse frequently in my life to uh, kind of bring a dagger, uh, the sword of the spirit, uh, piercing to uh, the dividing asunder soul and spirit, to remind me, who am I serving ultimately? Am I serving myself or am I serving the Lord? Is he keeping account? He is. What am I who am I trying to please? Am I just trying to outwork the other brother or sister in Christ? Am I just trying to outdo the, the other pastor or the other school principal? Am I just trying to be the, 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 the big Christian? There's a, uh, an acronym that we throw around on campus, the BWOC and the BMOC, big man on campus, big woman on campus. You know, the popular people, the ones who seem to be in everything and do everything, and sometimes we find ourselves comparing ourselves uh, to them. And we can get weary just in comparison, just in thinking that we have to outdo or outrun or outminister others. But that word faint there, God doesn't want us to get to the point where we, in cowardly surrender, abandon the service of the Lord, abandon our faithful ministry and what he has called us to do, that he has given us the strength to do in obedience and according to his will. It is easy to get weary in the Christian life. We know that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There is resistance to doing right. There is resistance to living purely. People let us down. People overlook us. People forget. People don't realize maybe some of the things that we're doing how many times do we work so hard and 
a boss, a manager. Sometimes it's even our, uh, our spouse or our children. They don't even recognize, maybe. Sometimes that can become a wedge between a husband and a wife because the husband feels like he's doing more than his wife is or the wife feels like she's doing more than her husband is. And sometimes it happens when there's little kids and she feels like maybe she's home all day and he comes home from work and he wants to just go sit in the sofa chair. And There's all kinds of points of weariness that can create conflict. And we'll get to, to some of this, but sometimes we want to give up because it seems like the harder we try to serve the Lord and to be faithful, the more we meet resistance. Well, we have learned, haven't we, that any time that we are serving the Lord, we are going to meet resistance. There's going to be friction. Anything that's, we've been in, in science, in uh, physical science, we've been studying the laws of motion, Newton's first, second, and third laws of motion. And it's interesting that we, as we study through those, the teacher talks about friction. And he, I think he even made the point the other day in the video about how, you know, we ice skate or we roller skate or we, we move something across the floor. There's something resisting a force resisting that what about as christians we move forward for the lord we're going to meet some sort of resistance yea and all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution but that can create some weariness and god knows that god understands that if we're not careful though we'll get out of god's will and begin looking for an easier way an easier way our way and we will neglect the daily disciplines of the Christian life that are necessary for helping us through the weary moments. And I think that's the danger sometimes. In resisting the strength to endure, we begin to give up on the very things that God wants us to continue in that restore us and strengthen us, that help us. We can't help but think of Elijah, right? 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, Elijah has been faithfully preaching, serving. He has prayed. We talked about Elijah this morning. The drought came for three and a half years. He prayed again. The drought ended. God took care of him there by the brook Cherith. And he went down to the widow of Zarephath and performed a miracle there. And then he goes to Mount Carmel and he takes on the prophets of Baal. What an afternoon that must have been. And after the fire came down and took the altar and the sacrifice and burned it all up, what did he do? He, he, he slew 400 prophets of Baal. I don't know what that was like. We see different sitcoms and movies and we think of different superheroes, but what kind of a physical exhausting exercise that must have been. Obviously, God gave him the strength, the power, and commanded him to take out those prophets, but 400 prophets of Baal? After... All that went on at that ceremony, and God obviously showed himself strong, and Elijah was used greatly of the Lord, and then Jezebel, as Ahab goes back home to Jezebel and whines like the sissy king that he was, Elijah just killed 400 of our prophets. Can you believe that? And what does Jezebel do? She commands for Elijah to be executed for his head. And what does Elijah do? He runs. We know the story well. I was just reminded of this um, this week. I don't know how well we can see this, but Elijah, when he left, am I on here? Oh, I guess I'm not on, am I? 
Sorry about that. So I don't know how well you can see this, but this is Mount Carmel, way up here in the northern part of Israel. And he ended up running from Jezebel, and he ends up all the way down here in Beersheba. And then God gave him food, allowed him to rest, and then he went 40 days in that with that food after that rest. And he ended up all the way down here at Mount Horeb. From what I was told this week, I did not realize this, this is the distance of about five marathons. In just a short amount of time, Elijah ran or walked five marathons. I've not done one. Some people have those stickers on the back of their windshield that says 26.1 or whatever it is, 26.3 or whatever it is. And then there's the people who have the 13.1. I like the one that says 0.0. (laughs) I'm not a runner. I'm not a marathon guy. I like to walk the dog. I like exercising with purpose, like to shoot a basketball or to run a a base path. I want to run with purpose, not just to run in circles. But I know there's enjoyment and certain people love that. And they get out in some nice areas, and they enjoy running, and it, it obviously provides um, some great exercise for them. But Elijah was exhausted. He even wondered if anybody else was serving the Lord. Yet God came to him and fed him and gave him rest and restored him. We can go to Acts 20 and verse 24. As I come back to uh, the slide here, Acts 20 and verse 24, Paul wrote, But none of these things move me. As he neared the end of his life, as he reflected back, as he met with those Ephesian elders who said, don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to suffer there. Paul was fixed on what God had called him to do. And he said, but none of these things move me. I I cannot imagine after what all that Paul had been through for him to say, yeah, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, I'm going to go right back into the hornet's nest, and I'm going to continue to be a witness, continue to preach the gospel, and whatever happens to me, I will trust the Lord with it. And sure enough, he got arrested and was put on that prison boat and taken to Rome. But I see in Paul, though he was weary, he continued to stay strong, to stay focused upon the Lord's will. What about Saul and the army of Israel? Did they not get weary when they faced Goliath? And Goliath was coming out day by day and mocking God, blaspheming God. And Saul was like a chicken king going into the tent and saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to beat this giant? And David comes and David says, I will fight this giant. And in the name of the Lord, he goes out and takes the five stones and he slays the giant. But there was a weariness in the war that resulted in an unwillingness to take on a blaspheming giant who was nothing in God's sight. Who David demonstrated that, didn't he? But that's what weariness can do. We can get to the point that we give up, that we kind of quit, and we say, God can't give me the victory anymore. God can't help me overcome anymore. And that's where we have to check our spirit. That's where we have to look at our life and say, where is my focus? What am I doing? Why am I weary? What are some things that maybe need to change? Maybe it's my focus. Maybe there's some other things that need to change. But we'll look at some of those as we continue. The second point is that weariness, if we're not careful, it can ruin, it can ruin our spirit of caring. See, weariness, discouragement, 
can get us to the point that we don't even care about other people. We can become sick of people, tired of the problems and the shortcomings of others. And if we're not careful, it can cause us to become bitter, can cause us to become angry. We can be short and curt, and we can quit loving like 1 Corinthians 13 calls us to love. When we get weary, when we get discouraged, sometimes we lash out at the people that we love the most. The people that we love the most are sometimes the people that we hurt the most. I know for me, when I get tired, if, if any of you have the appetite that sometimes I have, you get hangry. <laughs> and I know my metabolism, it's not quite what it used to be, but I've learned that I need to take time to eat the proper foods, and when I don't get the right proteins, or if I go way too much on the carbs in the morning and I don't get any protein, and I have a especially busy schedule and I bottom out, I know that I can get short, and I can get hangry, <laughs> and I know that my spirit, my attitude, is affected even by my diet. But I know that when I'm tired, I can be the same way. Sometimes we need that physical rest to restore us, to help us. Sometimes we're pushing the, the schedule too much and something needs to be cut out. But if we're not careful, weariness can cause us to become very short with people and angry and upset at people. We get tired of the problems and we begin to be hard on others. And this is a dangerous place. I know men in the ministry can get to this place where they begin to say things like the ministry would be great if it weren't for all the people. And I think I don't ever want to be guilty of thinking that way or saying that. Because people are all we have. And if we get so weary of working and dealing with people, it doesn't mean that we don't need our breaks. Jesus went into the mountain to pray. He went into the place of solitude. But what did he do? He went right back out into the multitudes and he healed and he went with his disciples and he taught and he continued to minister. We, we have those times where we get alone and we have to make sure we continue in those spiritual disciplines. Jesus had compassion for others. He stayed up late to heal. He ministered to many. And then he would rise even early the next morning to pray. He continued to find his strength in the Lord. And we have to be careful. Uh, maybe we do need to cut back on, on, on ministry. Maybe we need to uh, eliminate certain things from the schedule. Maybe we are doing too much. But we've got to be careful that we don't turn into grouches and grinches and become angry at people and no longer love them like we should. We know that Demas was distracted by the world. We know that John Mark grew weary in the first uh, missionary journey and, and left Paul and Barnabas. He later would travel with Barnabas, and later even Paul would consider John Mark a, a servant and called for John Mark to be uh, brought and to be ministered to and to minister with. So we know that John Mark was restored. But John Mark had a point on that first missionary journey where he got weary. Something happened and he dropped out. Demas went even further, having been distracted by the world. So we have to be careful that weariness doesn't cause us to become unloving toward people, to lose the spirit of caring, or to resist the strength to endure. And then we see also, thirdly, weariness can 
weariness can reduce our resistance to temptation. This is where it can be particularly dangerous. Again, we go back to Elijah, who ran from Jezebel. We know that God overruled, God overcame. We know that God restored Elijah. He continued to be faithful. He was used of the Lord even after that time where he went down to Mount Horeb. And, of course, the Lord spoke to him there. And then he was brought back into service. And eventually he would pass his mantle to Elisha. But Elijah ran in fear. He began to complain a little bit. Am I the only one? We have to be careful. Uh, Weariness can affect us maybe like David who went to the Philistines. He went to the enemy at one point and and began to involve himself with the activities of the Philistines. And then the Philistines went to war against Israel and David nearly went with them and drew the sword against his own people. Except for one of the Philistine leaders spoke up and said, wait a second here, we have an Israelite in our midst. What if he turns his sword on us? What if he is a spy? What if he's a traitor? What was David doing among the Philistines in the first place? That's the temptation, that weariness. He was tired of running. How many caves and and, and nooks and crannies did David have to run to to hide from Saul? And it was all simply because Saul was jealous and envious that David was going to be the next king. It wasn't fair. There was multitudes of injustice. And David got weary and he went to the enemy. We've got to be careful. I've heard people say, and I, 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 it, this bothers me when I hear people say this. People who are professing Christians, and they'll say things like, well, I get treated better by the unsaved than I do by believers. And I don't believe that. I know that sometimes unsaved people can have a moralism. They can have a certain niceness about them. I get that. And there are certain, I know there are exceptions. But I think overall, it's God's people who are the most compassionate, the most caring, and the most loving, because they are ultimately, yeah, there are exceptions. There are carnal Christians, there are backslidden Christians, there are Christians who, who, who act uh, out of the control of the Holy Spirit and are carnal in their, their words and their, their thoughts, their actions. But I, I firmly believe that it is God's people who show the biblical love and compassion and give us the truth from the word of God that is necessary for us to be effective in the Christian life, to help us through the hard times, and to ultimately help us to get back on the straight and narrow and get into the center of God's will. I understand that sometimes the professing Christians, but I often wonder if those professing Christians are really Christians. Maybe they are unsaved and they just claim Christ. But uh, it bothers me when people say that. And uh, really, it's, it's God's people. It's the church that helps us. It's so important that we be among the people of God. And we're sinners saved by grace. We're not perfect. But the best help, I look at my life over and over and over and over again. It is God's people through the church, pastors, youth pastors, counselors, older saints, saints my age or younger, People of God, the church, the family of God that has helped me in so many ways in my life through uh, sorrow, through sadness, through difficulty, through struggle. I looked at, I was down at uh, Bob Jones this week and I saw several of my professors that I had in Bible college and seminary. 
I didn't get a chance to talk to all of them. But I went to Dr. Jordan, and I, I said, your dad came to our high school my sophomore year and preached a whole week, and he was in chapel every day. And I said, your dad, that series of messages impacted my life tremendously as a sophomore in high school. And the Lord used that. The Lord used your dad in my life in a tremendous way, and I still have those tapes on the shelf uh, at home because that series of messages, the Lord used that. And it was not that much longer um, before I was off to college and off, off to Bible college, but I then saw a professor there uh, this week, Dr. Berg, and a series of messages that he preached at a crucial time in my life. And God used those messages. I mean, it was like there was nobody else in the FMA except for me. Hundreds of people, but I felt like all he was preaching <laughs> was to me. You ever been in a, a service like that? And I was just like, Dr. Berg, is, is there anybody else here besides me? And God used him tremendously. I look at so many ways in which God uses his people. David was ready to murder Nabal. Abigail came out and she said, uh, that would not be a good idea, David. He was getting ready. He was weary of all the running. He thought that Nabal should uh, reciprocate the kindness that he had shown him, and he didn't, and Abigail stepped in. When David should have been out with the armies of Israel leading in the battle, he was at home, and he was tempted, and he committed adultery and murder. That's what weariness can do. If we're not careful, it can reduce our resistance to temptation. We talked about in Sunday school this morning about in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we're weary, when we're down, when we're discouraged, maybe that should be our prayer. Lord, I'm struggling right now. Lead me not into temptation. Don't let this result in me responding in sin or turning away from you, but deliver me uh, from evil. Weariness can, number four, rob the saint of his reward. Galatians 6 and verse 9 implies this. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's implied there that we will lose the reaping. We will miss out on the fruitfulness. We will miss out on that blessing if we faint if we quit, if we give up, if we get discouraged to the point that we no longer are faithful and are serving like we should, where we get out of sorts and we get out of the will of God and we become disobedient and defeated and discouraged, we will lose a blessing from the Lord, a reaping of fruitfulness that he wants us to have. We can go to Second John, verse number 8. 2 John and verse 8 Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. In our weariness, in our struggle, let's remember that God wants us to be faithful. Faithfulness may mean that we have to cut back, that we may have to slow down a little bit, that we may have to fix some of the priorities, maybe confess some sin. We may need to get a better exercise or diet. We may need to go see the doctor and get some things physically taken care of. But he still wants us to be faithful. Even though we may have a new normal, right? God has, in his providence, allowed a certain kind of physical change or effects or whatever the case may be. And there's a new normal. Are we 
to be bitter and upset that God allowed a new normal. No, we're to be faithful in the new normal, whatever that may be. God doesn't want us to be discouraged and defeated. But weariness, if we're not careful, it will rob us of our reward. And then, fifthly, and I know there's a lot of points here. We'll just kind of work our way through these. But weariness can be relieved of its power over us. Weariness can be relieved of its power over us. We know that weariness comes. We've looked at some examples. We even know that Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a great affliction in his spirit, in his soul, as he prayed with such earnestness for us and for God's will to be done as he was ready to go to the cross, with such earnestness he prayed that it mixed, that his sweat mixed with drops of blood. So we know that Jesus experienced even a great stress. And there was an earnestness to his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But how do we get through our times of weariness in life? Well, I think it begins with prayer. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. We spent a lot of time on that this morning. I won't repeat all that again, but praying always, pray without ceasing, prayer. It causes us to depend upon the Lord. It helps us through those weary times. There are times where we're so sick, we can't even lift our head up off a pillow. But aren't we thankful that God hears our prayers? Sometimes, I I remember a time in my life where I just laid there in, in bed. There was a certain circumstance going on, and I just wept. I just cried. And I don't know how long I cried, but I was just calling out to the Lord. Uh, I just felt paralyzed by the circumstances, and I just laid there on the bed that night, and in tears, I just, just cried out, Lord, help me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I remember being in the hospital in Nairobi, uh, Kenya, and the missionaries had dropped me off there, and they had to get back to church. And I was sick with some sort of uh, stomach bug, and... Uh, it was awful, and there was no cell phone. There was no way to text mom and dad. I couldn't call. The missionaries were now an hour away, um, and I was sick, and I just laid there, and I just prayed. I just said, Lord, please just see me through this. Um, I was so happy when the missionary, I saw him walk in the door um, and a couple hours later, two or three hours later, and um, I said, I said to myself, when should I tell my mom and dad about this? <laughs> they, they would have been scared out of their mind to know that I was in uh, the hospital all by myself in the ER room there. But the Lord saw me through that, and I just think of those times, as hard as they were, uh, they were special moments where uh, the Lord was, was with me. We've been there, you've been there, and those are special times. We don't look forward to those moments Uh, of distress and suffering, but we're thankful for the closeness of the Lord, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And prayer has a way of helping us in those moments as we call out to the Lord, and he strengthens us and helps us and ministers to us. We renew our mind, Romans 12 and verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind with scripture. We meditate on scripture. Uh, Maybe some of the scriptures that we can meditate on can be scriptures such as 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Hebrews chapter 11. And we know the great faith chapter, but at the end of the chapter we read in verse 32, And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David also, and Samuel and other prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight, excuse me, turned to flight, the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Meditating on scripture, on biblical examples of those who went through weariness and hard times, even in being faithful can encourage us and strengthen us in whatever difficulty we are going through. We'll come back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, hopefully in the time that we have left. But we come back to being relieved of the power of weariness. Maybe we need to re-examine our priorities. Maybe there are some things we need to cut out. Maybe there are some things that we need to change. Maybe we're spending too much time here or too much time there. or Maybe God has... Even brought, thankfully, a counselor, a spouse, someone into our life who says, you know, maybe uh, you should consider this instead. Um, I remember a teacher in high school who just about lost his youngest child. He ran away from home. They were involved in everything at our church. They taught in the Christian school, and they were in every single possible ministry. And when his boy ran away from home and he had to take some time off of work, I remember my dad saying, Something about he was too busy. He was too busy. And he, just in my dad's way, he just reminded me, and I remember him uh, saying to me, if you're ever in the ministry, if you're ever busy serving, don't get so busy that you neglect your family. And uh, that stuck with me through the years. But we look to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we think of Psalm 23 where God promises to restore our soul. And we can claim those promises. We're to wait on the Lord and claim that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Remember our citizenship is in heaven. And look to the eternal. And we'll come back to 2 Corinthians 4, Lord willing, here as we come to a close. But these are some hopefully practical ways to help us to overcome the weariness and the discouraging times in our life. Again, there may be a time for physical rest. Elijah was given rest. He was given food. Now, wouldn't it be great to have a meal that will last us 40 days? Can you imagine how much money we would save on our grocery bill if we had a meal that would last us 40 days and 40 nights? But that was a, a, an angelic meal, wasn't it? He was able to then go down to Mount Horeb, and God had a way in which he restored Elijah and continued to use him. 
but we may need to see a doctor. Uh, nothing wrong with getting a, a medical doctor's advice and help, and maybe there's some things that need to be checked. And I know uh, a friend of mine who was in the hospital one time, well, some of you know Brent, Brent Savinsky, uh, Evangelist uh, Savinsky, Jerry Savinsky's son, Brent. Um, he has a couple of children, I believe, at Bob Jones, and, and Emily and Chandler might know them. But um, Brent told me we were, uh, he was at our church for, some special meetings one time, and, and Brent said that when he was a youth pastor, he almost died. He had no idea. He was hypoglycemic, and he nearly died. He ended up in the hospital, and they found out through a, a series of tests that he was hypoglycemic, and he had to completely change his diet. And uh, I remember him sharing that with me, and uh, he realized, and he was sharing also, that he was so busy in the ministry, he was neglecting his health. And then when that health crisis came, he talked about how the Lord used that uh, it's nothing wrong with uh, going to a doctor and getting checked and getting some things taken care of. Um, but through our weariness, praising the Lord, instead of getting down in the dumps and having the Eeyore attitude and the dark cloud over our head all the time, how about praising the Lord? And um, we were reminded even this week, as there was a testimony of someone who had suffered badly with COVID and long COVID and uh, nearly died from it, um, he talked about how good music, good Christian music, was such an encouragement to him. And I, I know I have found that to be the case over and over and over again. Good Christian music with good doctrinal content, with good scriptural content. And not, not Jesus is your boyfriend kind of music, okay? I'm talking about good scriptural content. Music that speaks to the soul, that speaks the truth to our heart and to our mind. And he played even part of the song in one of the sessions and uh, talked about his hope being in Jesus. And it was such a, a refreshing thing to hear. And then sometimes we do have to, for, we have to confess sin, don't we? Sometimes through those difficulties we realize, I haven't been living for the Lord in this way, or this area of my life has not been right with God, or this relationship has not been what it should be. And through that we may have to do some confession. And then we can't forget to still minister to others. I'm thankful for people, while my dad was uh, dying of cancer, people who would come and visit. I remember Wayne Snyder, not the Wayne Snyder who's a member here, uh, but he was Wayne Snyder, who was uh, one of my former basketball coaches, and he just came. He was a retired man. He didn't have the greatest health, but he just came, and he would sit with my dad for hours. I love that man. I look forward to, to shaking Wayne Snyder's uh, hand one day uh, in heaven and thanking him again for those, those hours that he spent uh, with my dad. Uh, but so many ways in which we can minister to others that get us to get off of ourselves. Sometimes the problem is too much self-consumption, right? And sometimes just getting out and serving and ministering and, and doing something has a way of bringing us out of ourselves and getting us to look at uh, our circumstances. And maybe we realize there's other people who are suffering just as much or worse than us and we may even realize and get a new perspective on our situation but weariness can be helped in ministry and then I've mentioned this already but being faithful to church not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together again I think of so many times in my life where God used his people he used the church even since we've been here God has used his people you know, I have a stack of cards, and Kelly may have the same, but I have, a, I have a stack of cards when my dad died. I cannot throw them away. Dozens 
if not hundreds, I don't know how many. I can't throw them away. I have those stacks of cards because each one of those cards meant somebody was praying for us, that cared for us, that loved us. We got similar from our church family and from those who love us when Kelly's mom passed away. And I'm guessing that she may have the, the same thing where you just, you just can't throw them away. You just can't toss those cards. They mean so much. I had a file in my, in my office of thank yous. Um, more, it's te- texts and emails now, but uh, I had a f- drawer in my, in, my, in my file in my drawer where I kept some thank you cards that were just an encouragement. Um, I'm thankful for... Uh, Dr. Bob III, when my dad was passing away, Dr. Bob III sent me an email. And he said, I'm praying for you. I know, what's going, I know you're going through a hard time. Um, I just want to let you know that as an alumni of our university, um, we love you and we're praying for you. That meant a lot. I didn't even hardly know Dr. Bob III. I barely met him. Uh, I'd seen him a hundred times, but he barely even knew me. I barely knew him, but that, that email meant a lot. God's people. Coming to church and being surrounded by the love and the care and concern of God's people. It means so much. We've seen that even recently here at church. In closing, I want us to come back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And close here this evening in helping us overcome weariness. As we all experience it, 2 Corinthians 4. Paul is... Reviewing his ministry, seeing we have this ministry, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, as we have received mercy, we faint not. He talks about renouncing the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. He talks about the philosophy and the methodology of his ministry, the gospel focus, the truth focus. He talks about the resistance in verse 5 by the God of this world. He talks about preaching, not ourselves, but Christ used the Lord in verse 5. Verse number six, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have earthen vessels, don't we? They ache, they hurt, they get tired, they get sick, (laughs) they crack, they break, they have to have surgery. Earthen vessels, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. He goes on, and we could read through the rest of the chapter if we had time, but we see that though there was weariness... Even discouragement, even physical pain and hardship. What does he say? Though we are troubled on every side, we are not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. And when we have times of weariness in our lives, may we look to the Lord. Maybe we have to go through some of these uh, priorities and review some of these scriptures and And this is not an exhaustive checklist, but just a way that hopefully can help us and encourage us in those weary times of life that we not turn to ourselves, that we not get so distressed that we begin to despair, that we become hopeless because there's always hope in Jesus Christ. And may our hope continue daily, faithfully to be in the Lord. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture in Galatians 6 and these other accompanying scriptures and these examples from your word that help us, Lord, as weariness comes, Lord, you know, as God in human flesh, Jesus Christ experienced the sinless infirmities of the human life, was tempted like in all points, yet as we are, like as we are, yet without sin. We thank you, Lord, for that sympathy, that empathy. We thank you, Lord, for the care and the compassion and the love and the concern that you have for us, that even in our weary times, that, Lord, you seek to bring us through those and to restore us and to help us to remain faithful and diligent in serving and be useful for you. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to take these truths and live them out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Derek's